the old man softened just a little bit and went on to explain that we were indeed in the holiest place in the country. After the above-mentioned war leader, he told us, a prophet from Arabia also lived in this place. The old man said that there is a place on the hill where he and sometimes an occasional enlightened visitor can see a stone floating in the air and bobbing as if on waves. The guard of the holy place said he communicates with the stone and it tells him four to five hours in advance what car is going to show up. When a person climbs the northern hill, our guide continued as we were walking up towards it. His heart is filled with the feelings of a warrior. Frontier Missions Journal Stories of Hope for the Unreached with Adventist Frontier Missions Hello and God's blessings to you. This is Aaron Jonas talking to you. My wife Rebecca, our son Dominic and myself have spent five years in a place that we refer to as Uland and uh, the next five years in a neighboring country called Hisland. You might have wondered why we use pen names for both ourselves and the countries that we serve in, why our project is called Reach Out rather than giving you a location or the name of a people group. The simple reason is we have a choice. Either we use pen names and uh, hide things that would be too specific and revealing our location, or we have to say goodbye to our field. Uh, because of the religious and political situation in the places where we are serving the Lord and the people. Welcome back and thank you for joining us. Sometimes it can be very dangerous for the missionaries, but they care more about reaching the people and tell them about a Savior that will save them from the sins of this world and the sins in their life and uncover the plans of Satan and how he seeks to destroy God's children by telling them lies about Jesus and his love and creating chaos amongst the people. One time, Aaron found himself in the middle of such chaos. There was a political war raging with angry crowds making sure their voices were heard while the local law enforcement tries to control the situation with aggressive and dangerous force. All of this happened during an election. Here is Aaron's story of how he kept his eyes focused on Jesus during that time while facing danger at every corner. I called this next story The Holy Sight. As the summer was drawing towards an end, I took a little team of young men to the mountains. Besides enjoying the striking beauty of creation, this was an exceptional opportunity to spend some time bonding together, getting to know each other on a deeper level, and pray with and for one another. 
We spent four days and nights in the mountains, befriending local herders and fishermen in the process, and even being allowed to sleep in their hut. While the herders stayed up there a little longer, before taking their cattle to lower altitudes, the fishermen took us back down to civilization in their vehicle. Along the way, they stopped to show us a holy site, which I'd never heard about before. In a place where a battle is said to have taken place in the ancient days, three rocky outcrops stand above a plain. The place is surrounded by much larger peaks made of black stone, looking oddly familiar through the images of Tolkien's land of Mordor. Because this place is considered to be sacred, it is guarded by an elderly villager whose honor lays in his long white beard. This guardian of the holy place welcomed us at the entrance, but he made it clear that those of us who are foreigners are not to visit the actual site. Only clean people are allowed there, he said with clarity and resolution. The emphasis AFM puts in our training on culture acquisition paid off. Because I knew exactly what the man meant, I told him that we would cleanse ourselves. Paradoxically, and it ended up being me uh, teaching my native friends how to do the required ritual purification. The old man softened just a little bit and went on to explain that we were indeed in the holiest place in the country. After the above-mentioned war leader, he told us, a prophet from Arabia also lived in this place. The old man said that there is a place on the hill where he and sometimes an occasional enlightened visitor can see a stone floating in the air and bobbing as if on waves. The guard of the holy place said he communicates with the stone and it tells him four to five hours in advance what car is going to show up. When a person climbs the northern hill, our guide continued as we were walking up towards it. His heart is filled with the feelings of a warrior. With strength and with rage. On the middle hill, he said, one gets overwhelmed with a deep sense of peace. We couldn't miss the fact that our guide failed to say anything about the southern peak. But we noticed that one of our local companions quietly left us and went away to pray over on that very hill. The old man would not say anything about it. And he had our local friends swear that they too will keep quiet in our presence. So we never found out what is the deepest secret of those holy rocks. Set on the eastern slope of the middle hill, 
is a rock formation which resembles an Asian royal throne. We were told that anyone who wants to hold power over the people of his land first makes a pilgrimage to this place. He, or occasionally she, brings a sacrificial animal, cuts its throat at the foot of the mountain, and then sits on this throne, requesting power over the nation. All the presidents and all the ministers sat here, and most of the deputies and members of parliament too, the old man boasted. As you know, the election is coming up soon. This place is going to be busy. If at least half of what this man is saying is true, I thought, we have just been given an extremely important insight into the spiritual nature of our country. As we walked around, I prayed constantly that the Holy Spirit would rule over that place, and especially over the people who visit here, seeking to rule the very people we strive to lead to the kingdom of God. I felt a chill in my bone as I prayed, realizing that I'm entering into a spiritual struggle and that it is likely going to come with a cost for me and maybe even for my family. Fair enough. In the following months, I had to battle an unusually long illness and I faced extremely violent men on three separate occasions. But that is a different story. The election our guide talked about was held several weeks later. It was generally considered to have been grossly counterfeit. Not a single member of the opposition made it into the parliament. After the results were publicly announced, peaceful protesters filled up the main square two blocks away from our home. Then, at night, these peaceful protesters were replaced by thousands upon thousands of young men armed with rocks and cobblestones and using wheelie bins with rubbish set on fire as their movable barricades. Facing them, right underneath our windows, were cohorts of heavily clad policemen and vehicles. As soon as the police began to use tear gas grenades, we realized that our windows do not fit properly. Yes, we began to cry. For hours, both sides regrouped, attacked and retreated. Rubber bullets against stones, crowd against crowd, will against will. In the wee hours of the morning, the streets were taken over by these masses of young men on their way to storm the government power. In the morning we learned that the seat of the government had been broken into, looted and partly set on fire. More disturbing than that was the news that the last generation of politicians, activists and criminals were released from prisons by the protester. Learning about that, we understood that things can very quickly develop into violence much worse. We quickly packed a few bare necessities, took our student missionary along and left the city. We found refuge in a lakeside village with a local Christian friend whom I call Murat. He let us stay in his guest house for three nights. Based on conversation we had with Murat's family before, we spent every one of our refugee nights 
studying with them what the Bible teaches about the second coming, about the two resurrections, and especially about the state of man after death. It was all new to them. They accepted Jesus fairly recently, and on top of the Christian teaching about immortal soul, their worldview is still heavily colored by their previous Muslim conviction. Understanding their background greatly helped our conversation. They read the scripture verses, looked at them very carefully, and after a thorough discussion, they stated that they accept those brand new ideas as their own. If this is what being a refugee can result in, I am more than happy to be a refugee. If challenging an ancient spiritual power means putting oneself in danger zone, but leads to a victory, I call on the Holy Spirit to lead his people out of darkness. If you hear the voice today to pray for missions, give to missions, or go and be a missionary yourself, stand up and answer and see what wonderful things the Lord is going to do with you and through you. No one said mission work is easy, but it is definitely rewarding and fulfilling to see how God can work through you and me to reach the unreached people groups and witness the many miracles God performs, not only in the people's lives, but also in your life. You too can be part in experiencing how God works miracles in people and in situations that seems impossible. All you have to do is make yourselves available for Him to use you to reach the unreached. Please visit our website at afmonline.org to find out more about becoming a missionary, just like Aaron Jonas. As the Bible says, the harvest is plentiful, but the laborers are few. If God is calling you to serve in the mission field, then don't hesitate. Answer that call by saying, Here I am, Lord. Send me. Thank you for listening to Frontier Missions Journal.